There you go. There it is. There's the winner. Look at that. Back, 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 Howdy, and welcome to episode 224 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from BaseballPerspectus.com. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh. Ben, how are you doing? Very well. Great. Good to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you want to talk about today? I want to do a home run derby draft. All right. And I want to talk about barbecue sauce. Uh-huh. Uh, so who should go first with these two wonderful topics? Uh, you, I guess. Actually, All right. can I ask one quick question? You I may. read a thing about football today. Um, which was weird. It was just an excerpt from an article about how NFL clubs are allowed by league rules to have two star players. They designate two star players who only have to speak to the media once per week. Uh, So the Patriots have um, Brady and Tebow, two equally talented quarterbacks, uh, designated as their stars who speak to the media once a week. And I was wondering if if there is a reason for baseball teams to do that. Uh, I don't think so. Okay. I think, uh, I think baseball is a lot different than football. Um, I think baseball is a lot different than football. Ben. I, <laughs> wanna, let me go into Let me go into a long elaborate routine about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, no, I, baseball, uh, something happens every day. A lot happens every day. Mm-hmm. And there's not, I don't think there's really quite the risk of over, analysis of baseball uh there's a risk of of uh, overabundance of baseball but not over analysis i mean you 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 genuinely do have seven seven new events every day that need to be talked about and in football there's only you know there's only one game a week and uh you know that nothing nothing happens between sunday and and sunday mm-hmm. uh that that would require you to be uh available to the media more than that uh, there I might mean, be really, I mean, just as much over analysis of baseball. I mean, just the fact that, uh, well, I don't know. I don't actually read football writing, so I can't say, but there's certainly a lot of narrativizing in baseball because you have to say something sort of significant about every game. And in, in football, each game is more significant, even if it's not really, I mean, I don't know whether it's more reliable or anything in terms of sample size, but. Uh, you have to kind of, there's a tendency to draw some conclusion from a game or to take some lesson from a baseball game or say something significant about it. And there are 162 of them. So, yeah, of course. But that's the, there's, there's 162 things to talk about. I mean, there's more to talk about because there's more being played. Mm -hmm. I mean, am I understanding this correctly that each player does have to be available to the media at least once for every game? Uh, Is that what you're saying? Once a week, these these two star guys, these two guys, these yes. two star, star guys have to speak to the media only once. Uh, so I guess other players have to be right, available all they, the time. These guys just have to do it once. Right, they have to per game, per week, per week. Yes. Yeah. So every single game that is played, every single player is available to to talk to the media. Yeah, I guess it's just uh, I don't know when when people talk to football players because there's only one game a week. I guess they, do they talk to them at practice or something? I guess they talk to them at practice. Um, so these two star players wouldn't have to do that or they just wouldn't give interviews in between game days or something. 
they'd only be available for one day a week, or I guess, I don't know that they have to speak to them on game days either. The thing I read just says they have to speak to them once per week, so I don't know whether it has to be a game day or not. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, so yesterday, uh, Eric Hosmer had a walk-off base hit for the Royals, and he was basically pied in the face with barbecue sauce. And I, I'm sure anybody who's been paying attention has noticed that um, the pieing of baseball players is getting more and more elaborate. Uh, it is, I would say, not so much just that it's becoming more and more elaborate, but in conjunction with this, and almost certainly be, uh, a cause of the more elaborateness, is the fact that uh, these are all being broadcast on post-game you know, post-game coverage. They are being gift. They are being uploaded to MLB's highlights pages. And so we are awash in celebrations. And so because of that, we've gotten the um, the the various pies, the um, the the sort of uh, the, the 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 one where the the guy knows that the pie is coming, mm-hmm. and so he avoids the pie, and yet is pied anyway. So there's that pie. There's the uh, there's the Gatorading where the guy again ho- dodges the Gatorade or hides behind a reporter, and the, and reporter the two gets are yes, right. The two are are Gatorated together, mm-hmm. uh, and and meanwhile there's also this trend of uh, nearly it seems to me watching baseball, uh, every team having some sort of hand signal after a base hit when you're standing on first base. Um, I, I, I'm guessing maybe originated with the Rangers about three years ago uh, with like, I don't know, like the, the, horn the, the, the deer yeah. or something like <laughs> the that. The antlers, yeah. The antlers. And, and now I see it on a number of teams. I, I don't know if I want to say it's every team, but I would say that there are, well, there are, there are more teams that do it. The Royals do it, for instance. Uh, other teams do it. And uh, so I'm going to first just real quickly premise before I transition into the point. Um, I'm not a person who cares that, that this is happening. I'm not here to scold baseball players for defiling this great game. Um, and so if anybody is, is anticipating that and thinks uh, that they're going to just get out of here before Grandpa goes off on his, uh, his rant about, uh, you know, five Bs for a nickel or whatever, uh, I, that's not where I'm going. However, uh, I do find it interesting because um, baseball has always been the sport with very little celebration, and it was the uh, it was the sport that was held up against football mm-hmm. when 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 culture critics were bemoaning the state of football and the touchdown dance. It was always held up to baseball, the, this classic sport where these things would not be allowed. And if you tried to do anything so showy and colorful, you would you would you would certainly be uh, knocked down with a pitch to the noggin. Uh, and and football has done a lot to actually limit these celebrations over the last decade or two. And it's interesting that baseball um, is going the other direction. It seems uh, fascinating that, that culturally this is, uh, that, that these two sports can go in two such different directions. Um, and so I just wonder, if, I guess I have a, 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 I don't have much to say about this, <laughs> really. I, I just wanted to say barbecue sauce. <laughs> Uh, but I guess if I had any uh, quick questions, I would ask uh, for you. One is, uh, what is the next fluid and or viscous substance <laughs> that you, that uh, players should put in another player's uh, face? Uh-huh. Uh, two, uh, 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 will baseball crack down on this in the next, let's set a timeline of seven years. Will baseball crack down on these things? Three, 
um, uh, is there, do you have a, a compelling reason for why football and baseball would be moving in these different directions? And four, do you have a personal opinion about whether they are tacky or not? And I should just note one thing. I also wrote, I, I, I would guess two or three months ago, uh, about the evolution of World Series celebrations. Yes, I was going to bring that up. And World Series celebrations used to be uh, literally get the final out, walk to the dugout, and that was the World Series celebration. And it gradually evolved into shaking hands on the field and then hugging on the field and then dancing on the field, dogpiling on the field. Eventually, it got to the point where uh, this, it was a regular thing that the fans would storm the field, uh, and they cracked down on that in the, I believe, late 70s. Um, and now not only do we have the World Series celebration that you know so well, but we have it for clinching a wild card berth. We have it for uh, all manner of, uh, to, to some degree, we have it for all walk-off victories, which are uh, celebrated considerably more vigorously by players on the field today than a World Series championship was in the 1940s. Um, and my, my theory, my sort of premise for the piece was that uh, that this was driven by TV, that as these games were broadcast on TV, the players felt a subtle pressure to uh, both perform, to continue to perform their joy in front of people, and also the sense that the fans, uh, that, that by celebrating in public, the fans were in on mm -hmm. it, that this was, uh, this was something that uh, brought the fans into it and that became a requirement uh, for players to do so that fans could feel like they were on the field with you. And so um, when when I see these, you know, horns or the pie, um, I, I just wonder how much of this is actually um, something that's kind of a, a, a good deed that players are doing uh, for the fans and that for that reason will not be cracked down. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think I would draw a distinction between the horns or the, the celebration that goes on in-game and the, the post-game celebration. To me, they're, they're sort of different. I, I guess the, the thing that used to upset people when football players would do the end zone dance or when they would sack someone and then <laughs> while he lay there, like, <laughs> writhing <laughs> on the ground, just, like, stand Urinate up. on his corpse. Yes. <laughs> or yes, everything short of that, pretty much. So that was, uh, it was easy to construe that, at least, as showing up the other player. Um, whereas I feel like the the post-game celebration, I mean, by the time the, the pie is, is happening, the game has been over for, for a while. Uh, the other team is off the field. They they aren't even seeing the pieing. Um and it's it's more of a, a celebratory uh, gesture, I feel like, than an in-your-face gesture. It it doesn't seem like it's directed towards the other team. It's not like a triumph over the over, other team so much as it just is kind of a team unity celebrating someone's achievement. Um, and and I I don't know. I, I you don't really hear. I mean, you you hear people complain about certain certain gestures, right? Certain teams uh, like like in the it, the somersault and the prince fielder bomb explosion. yeah well the the somersault was awesome um yeah so i, I know still, <laughs> still can't believe still can't believe that we first they came for the somersaulters and i was not a somersaulter so i said nothing right <laughs> but i regret it yeah that was that was amazing uh rolled chapman rolling <laughs> rolling towards the plate after recording a save was great um, I enjoy closer closer celebrations because uh, 
And I guess they are kind of showing up the other team. I mean, the game is over, but it just ended and the batter is still standing there. Uh, Those are interesting because the pitcher is facing the batter. In yeah. these other ones, there's not. It's not a direct confrontation. Yeah, right. Um, I like those because it, it's like part of the the identity of those players. It becomes it becomes something that you think about when you think of those players. You think of how they celebrate, and it's just kind of another uh, unique thing about them that we can that makes us feel a connection to them or makes us feel closer to baseball, I feel like. So I'd, I'd be sort of sorry to see that go. Um, but I could understand if if that were cracked down on. And you you do hear, I mean, there is some blowback to, to that sort of thing. I mean, I don't know whether people complain about Rodney's bow and arrow, uh, but people did complain about the somersault. I think someone on, on Chapman's own team kind of said, he shouldn't have done oh, that, they, right? Yeah, they shut they shut it down. The team yeah. shut it down. I think Dusty Baker yeah, shut it right. down. Yeah, uh, right. So there's that, and uh, people got upset about which which team was it in the in the WBC? Was it the the Dominican team? Right? Was like really just happy and celebrating and really loud on the bench and being very demonstrative, and that kind of ticked some people off. I think. Um, so you hear complaints about that, but you never really hear complaints about someone getting a pie in the face after the game, right? The other team never says, uh, well, you know, in my day, we wouldn't have done that. Or the other manager doesn't make any comment about that. So I feel like, I feel like there won't be any crackdown on, on that sort of thing. And, and it, it is kind of fun for the fans to share that stuff after the game. And there's always a little nod of fans around the, the first first base bag or whatever, just standing there waiting for the pieing to happen. Um, so I don't mind that. I think I could see a, a crackdown of some sort coming uh, if the, the in-game celebration starts to starts to reach some new level or, or become more saturated than it has. Um, I think the next substance that a team should use is GAC. <laughs> it's been much too long since Gak was a part of popular culture. The, the Nickelodeon, uh, just sort of undefined, amorphous substance that would be used on all of the the game shows in the early '90s, and it would just be this green goo that would just fall on kids. Um, so I think that should be that should be the next thing that's used. Uh, and I don't remember what other questions you asked me, but I I think there will be, I yeah I could see there being some sort of censoring or some sort of uh, measure put in place to cut down on that at some point. It doesn't particularly bother me either. And and it's not really directly showing up. I mean, it's, it's always like the, the player who just doubled or whatever will, will do whatever the gesture is and he'll, he'll do it while looking at his teammates. Uh, and they'll, it, it's kind of like a, a unity thing. It's a thing that they're all doing together. He's not like, Going, he's not calling time, walking over to the mound and doing it in the pitcher's face. Um, so it's it's not it's not a direct offense, but I could see an offense being taken. I could see it bothering some people. Yeah. So I uh, to complete my thought, which I didn't, I'm not sure I totally completed. But when I was talking about how TV, I felt drove the World Series celebrations. Uh, just to, in case I wasn't clear, I feel like the gifts and the MLB highlights, uh, the way the MLB highlights are almost uh, 
almost replacing the game for a lot of people as the way to consume your your team. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that's driving this to a large degree. And so when I start thinking about what medium is next or what technology is next to get us closer to the sport, um, I think it, it will either be on-field audio or uh, I'm, I'm sort of hoping more likely is some sort of the ability to uh, to watch every player on the field um, either at your choosing or all at once in some sort of split screen or through maybe like a uh, like a panorama camera yeah. that, that you can control something but like you that. Kinda get, so, you kind of get you kind of get in the the postseason version of MLB TV. You get a bunch of camera angles. You, you can't really control them, you, but you get a lousy version. Yeah, of it, yeah, but. Um, I mean, I don't know if uh, my my personal my personal thing that I'm always talking up is that CNN 360 camera. Uh-huh. Have you seen this? Yeah, uh, yeah there's so, a there's a yes yes network has a thing now where like oh they do the matrix the bullet the bullet time. yeah it they'll like show a replay and then they'll pause it and somehow just completely sweep around so it's a different perspective but it never cut to a different shot it's just a continuous thing it's pretty cool. The point is that if, if it's audio on the field, I could see this going in the direction of some sort of song, a team song, uh-huh. uh, or a particular team slang that you become aware of, or a team chatter that you become aware of that you're never aware of now that could be increasingly elaborate. Uh, and if it's the uh, every player on camera at all times phenomenon, I could see some of the... I, I, wouldn't, I think this might be the, the tipping point where the MLB would step in but I could see some sort of choreographed behavior by uh, like the defenders if there was a good play, like if like they could all do some choreographed dance or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's probably the point that I'm I'm dreading. As for the substance that I uh, believe we will see, I would say that uh, high-powered super soakers mm-hmm. are quite likely. That'd be good. I would say that I would say that Nerf bats are also quite likely. Nerf bats slash Nerf guns mm-hmm. and. The impressive one to me, because of the amount of planning and just the, the, the logistics of, of doing this, um, would be uh, either a extremely large jello mold uh, or a, um, a freshly baked cake. Yeah, I would like to see them bring back an actual pie, because the pie is just shaving cream slapped on a towel. Which, yeah, and you clearly did not plan this. Right, I'd like this to see like, someone. This is it, the, the pie is the equivalent of a Father's Day e-card, uh-huh. where right. you, where you can send it the morning yeah. of because you forgot. I want something that you had to slap a stamp on <laughs> two and a half days in advance, yes. so that I know you're really thinking like of that, me. That to, that could be part of the rookie hazing, like the the rookie on the team is the designated baker, like the walk-off baker. Every day, yeah, you, have, you have to do one every single right. day. And so, yeah, I mean, maybe the last guy in the bullpen. Um, he's the guy who has to bake a, a cake and, and, and he will almost never use the cake. And then that will just be part of the hazing that he'll just sadly produce this pie and, and it will, I don't know, you could give it to the fans, I guess. Um, no, no, the, he, he eats the cake. He has to eat the cake. That's part of the hazing. He has to eat the cake. That might be counterproductive. Uh, 25 minutes, Ben. We've been going 25 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> okay. Uh, I like on-field audio, by the way. I hate I hate in-game interviews with with yes. people on the on the on the bench, but but in-game audio where players mic'd up is excellent. Incredible. Okay, uh, so I guess we'll try to do this quickly. Uh, we're going to draft five players each that we would want on our home run derby team. We are 
not trying to win the home run derby. Uh, these are just the players or the people that we would most want to see in a home run derby. Uh, and you could, you, yeah, you could try to win. Yeah, if if it, if it were your priority as the captain of a home run derby to try to win, uh, then you could certainly try to win. But I would consider you to be a profoundly broken person if that was your priority. Mm-hmm. I could see, like, I think that for each individual player in the home run derby, yes, he's got a strong incentive to hit home runs. He's performing in front of people, and he doesn't want to be shamed. But as a captain, I can't imagine anything uh, uh, less 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 necessary in your life than to captain a home run derby winning team. So, so don't. If you're ever, if anybody out there ever finds themselves the captain of a home run derby team, uh, don't. Just don't do but that. If people, Be fun. If people, Be fun. If people started making a, a mockery of the home run derby, then Bud Selig would probably make it count for something. Right. It's the uh, it's the the home run derby determines the winner of the all star <laughs> yes, game. Yes. Which right? Which determines home field advantage. Um, okay. So so we're not trying to win. We're just these are the players that we would most want to see trying to hit home runs. I guess. Uh, who pick? Who goes first? Who picks first? Uh, I don't know. We didn't talk about that. I guess since we're we're not trying to win, it doesn't really matter. Um, so well, I'm, I'm the visiting team. So. Okay, go ahead. All right, I'll take uh, John Carlos Stanton okay. uh, with the philosophy that he hits the most interesting home runs uh-huh. in baseball, and he is, I would argue, the best home run hitter in baseball. Mm-hmm. And I don't see how you don't have that guy in there. Okay. Um, I he also hits he also hits the fastest home runs in baseball, and I think that those are underrated in these home run derby. I think the the home run derby it tends to overvalue, I would say, the guy who hits the 435-foot uh, ball that he pulls, mm-hmm. which because those are pretty. Those are aesthetically nice, but they are not the longest home runs, mm-hmm. and they are not, to my way of seeing it, the most fun home runs. So. Okay. Uh, I think I will take Chris Davis. Um, and again, I mean, so far it sort of seems like we are trying to win the home run derby, but the point is not necessarily that these guys are the most likely to hit home runs, although I guess they are. It's that the home runs that they hit are the best ones to watch or they're the most awe-inspiring. I guess I would, I would want to see Chris Davis hit the ball because he hits the ball really, really far and he hits balls that don't at all look like home runs and they turn into home runs. So, um, yeah, I would just, yeah, yeah. He's also having a moment. Yeah, and, and he's an interesting story have... too. And that's yes, that's important yeah. also. Uh, all right, so that he would have been he would have been my second pick and second or third and maybe maybe I mean I consider him for first. Okay, so my second pick is uh, Bryce Harper mm-hmm. on the theory that he is the most. Uh, not only is he an elite home run hitter, uh, but a he is the most interesting baseball player I would say in the game right now. He is the the one with the highest Q rating. Uh, as well as a player who most of us initially heard of from his 15-year-old uh, home run derby in Tampa mm-hmm. uh, when we saw him hitting those 500-plus uh, home run uh, foot home runs with aluminum. So I feel like there's a, a particular coming full circle element to it. And also, there's a pretty good chance that, uh, I mean, not a pretty good chance, but there is a non-zero chance that he is um, eventually the all-time home run leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Uh, you know, just sort of planning for that. Uh, it would be nice to see him at 20 just, just raking. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I think I'm going to take Chris Carter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he also hits very long, just 
booming home runs. Um, do you remember that one home run that he hit this year where the sound, it was in Houston and the sound was just this like, just this crack and boom. And it was like just the, the prototypical home run sound. Um, and I'm also kind of curious about whether he would miss <laughs> the ball. Right. Yes. <laughs> There's the chance that he would like strike out in the home run derby, which would kind of add a, some additional intrigue to it. Yeah, one way or another, that it works because either we're talking about a guy who is either going to swing and miss at a batting practice pitch, um, or we're talking about a guy who you sort of, if, if swings and misses weren't a thing in baseball, like if there were unlimited strikes, he would be elite. He would be one of like the four best hitters in baseball. And uh, it, so it would be fun to put him in a setting just once in his life mm-hmm. to put him in a setting where he's the star, he's the hero, and we, you know, we can all. You know, we can all just see this this superhero uh, in in the context he was born for, and yet that sadly we have not created a world for mm-hmm. every day. Okay. Uh, and and also, uh, so okay, so my third uh, pick is Evan Gaddis, mm-hmm. and uh, Gaddis is a little bit like uh, I, I approve of Carter for a little bit of the same reason. I think you always have to have the one guy who is not actually necessarily good at baseball, but who is good at batting practice, mm-hmm. and for for. A couple of years, Trumbo was the guy I was touting, but then Trumbo got good at baseball, and yeah. so he actually became a viable candidate. Uh, but the same sort of thing. It's just it's fun to watch a guy. Uh, it almost feels like a little bit of um, uh, you know, like a, making making a kid's dream come true, you know. Mm-hmm. And and then and then he showed. It's like okay, so well, I don't know. This might be. This is going to be insensitive. Uh, so I, I'm going to keep going because I started, mm-hmm. but it's going to be a little insensitive. <laughs> but you know, when sometimes you'll see like a news report about some kid with um, like a developmental disorder or something like that, and he's the water boy on his team, mm-hmm. and, and they, they let him play the last day of the season uh, for like one play. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see that a lot, but then like one out of a hundred times, that kid comes out and shoots like like six threes in a row yeah. and makes them right. all. So that's that's Chris Carter. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I warned yes. you. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, and you're my you're my editor. So if this gets edited out, <laughs> then that's great. And if it doesn't, then you just took you took ownership. Okay. Um, all right, my next pick is Ichiro. Uh, now this yeah. would have been a better pick probably five years ago, ten years ago, uh, but yes. I would pretty much pick Ichiro until the end of time as long as he is alive I would put Ichiro in the home run derby just because of the the long lasting narrative that if Ichiro uh, tried to hit home runs he could hit home runs and this has just mm-hmm. been and you'll hear players say that he's just he hits home runs in batting practice and that if he were in the home run derby he would just hit home runs at will on command um, I don't know whether that is still true at age 39 uh, but I want to see it. I want to see him try and do it. Even even as diminished Ichiro, I want to see whether there is anything to that because I've always been skeptical about the idea that he can either hit for a high average or hit for a lot of power, and he just chooses to hit for a high average. Um, but in a in a batting practice home run derby situation, uh, maybe there would be some truth to it. So I want to see that. Yeah, I, I would say that three years ago, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say three years ago if we did this, he would have been the first pick on either side. Yeah, probably my first pick. Mm-hmm. But certainly five years ago. Uh, and I wondered what I considered uh, Joe Maurer as a, a less satisfying but more relevant version of the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's always good to have a, a, a bat control specialist uh, 
to just to see, you know, just to see whether it almost along the lines of the 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 which would you rather have the 40 power and 60 hit or the 60 power and 40 mm -hmm. hit thing. It's interesting to see how back control would translate uh, in a situation where um, there is only incentive for power. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I would actually I would love love to see Mauer, but are we only going five rounds? Yes. Okay, I would love to see Mauer, but I'm not going to pick him. Mm. Uh, my next pick is going to be um, Jim Tomey. Mm. I think I think you always need to have an old man, <laughs> and I I really struggled with the Jim Tomey pick because um, I wasn't sure I wasn't sure he was old enough. Mm -hmm. uh, I considered Bonds, uh, and I, I think two years ago I would have picked Bonds, yeah. but Bonds he's been out of the game for so long now that I just don't think you can. And I actually really strongly considered Chipper Jones in that spot, mm -hmm. um, but Tommy's so Tommy has no enemies. Uh, there's no I don't think anybody other than maybe Mariano Rivera has made it this long in baseball without enemies. Um, and uh, you know he's he's Chris Davis uh, with uh, you know with 12 more years and less range. It'd be interesting to see if his if his experience uh, helps him out. And also I don't know if you know this, but his family. Um, he comes from a family of like softball superstars, like his, mm -hmm. his aunts and his sisters right. and all are all these massive softball slammers. So I would bet anything that he has had family home run derbies before, <laughs> and he, he knows the drill. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, my fourth pick, I think, will be Pablo Sandoval. Uh, uh -huh. Basically, I, I want to see whether he would take a pitch uh -huh. in a home run derby, um, and I also want to see what pitches he would hit out, what kind of crazy pitches he would swing at and successfully hit for a home run. So, I mean, I guess that's not that different from just watching Pablo Sandoval in any context, but um, but I want to see whether he would take a pitch with the, with the idea that he could maybe have a higher chance of hitting the next pitch out or whether he makes no distinction between <laughs> batting average pitches because he knows that or batting practice pitches because he knows that he could potentially hit any of them out. So uh, say one. he's my fourth. That's a good one. Uh, my fifth one, uh, it's it's hard. I, I wish you had taken a couple of these guys. It's hard to decide on the last one. But uh, I think that uh, for my last one, I will go with uh, Trey Griffey, who is a football player at, I believe, the University or maybe Arizona State or something like that, and is the son of Ken Griffey Jr. and the grandson of Ken Griffey Sr., and is uh, sadly not a ball player, uh, at least not at the moment. And uh, I want to. I, I think we deserve. I think. I think we invested enough. Just like uh, we all get to ruin Michael Jackson's kids' lives too. Uh, in reverse, I think we all get to. I, I think we get a piece of the Griffey family for as long as we want it. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious. I'm, aren't you curious to know how naturally good he sure. is? Mm -hmm. He's probably great. I bet you. A, bet, I bet you a thousand dollars he gets drafted uh, without having played a single college game. Mm -hmm. Uh, because he's he's grippy. He's uh, the ultimate bloodline, mm -hmm. and uh, so uh, yeah, I take Trey Griffey and throw him out there. And uh, I I think that if he hits, if his first one brings down the house. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, okay, my last pick, and there's I don't know, there's a few different ways I could go with this, but I think I'll go with. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Muninori Kawasaki. Oh yeah, good. Well, it, it yeah, could backfire. Work. It could be just awful and depressing, and just ten grounders to second base or something. Um, mm -hmm. But he's—I don't. Th I mean, he's never hit 
a fly ball really deep even. Uh, he definitely hasn't hit a ball at the warning track, and I don't think he's come all that close in, in an actual game. I have not seen him take batting practice. But I'm curious to see whether uh, under, under controlled conditions he could hit a home run or at least hit a deep fly ball. And odds are, I guess, that he can't. I would guess that he wouldn't hit a home run, um, but I'd like to see him try. And if he did succeed in hitting a home run, it would be really fun, I think. One way or another, he would say something crazy uh, in mm-hmm. an interview, and he'd be very lovable and endearing. Um, and it would be a good story. And uh, yeah, I mean, terrible baseball player, but but good guy compelling to have my guy. Time. And yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Griffey, by the way, uh, I just am. Uh, not that I was bored by your final pick. It was great. But uh, Griffey, Trey, uh, incidentally, uh, Ken Griffey third, so it goes by Trey in case you didn't put that together, uh, was offered a contract by the Mariners dated for 2012 uh, when he was a newborn. He, the <laughs> Mariners sort of playfully offered him a contract dated for 2012. Uh, and he, he says, quote, I didn't really love baseball. I will always appreciate it, but football is my passion. So that implies that he did give it a shot, and um, maybe he's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other people that you want to mention that you really wanted to get to pick but didn't? This article says that he could have taken the baseball contract and tried to make a name for himself through his father. I'm guessing that he could not have <laughs> simply taken the contract. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> what was your question? Uh, is, was there anyone else that you really wish that you got to pick that you want to mention? Honorable mention? Well, I think that uh, the best hitter in baseball is generally a good guy to have. So I would either Miguel Cabrera or Mike Trout or maybe Joey Votto mm-hmm. would have been a solid pick that we didn't get to. Yeah. Uh, Miguel, Miguel Sano would have been, yes, I think, I had a very Sano on my solid list. pick. Mm-hmm. And I always, uh, I always want to get a pitcher in there so that we can learn a little something about this uh-huh. thing. But uh, I don't, I don't feel like there's a good pitcher right now, a good uh, representative pitcher. So it, you know, three or four years ago maybe. Um, but you know, there's no Mike Owings, there's no Dontrell Willis. So I, I think I would pass. And then uh, you know, Bo Jackson is uh, trying to get back into the into the public eye right uh-huh. now, doing some stuff. Um, you might be able to get him to do it. Yeah, I had uh, I had Hunter Pence on my list just just to kind of see what he would look like in a home run derby, um, just for the gifts basically, and then a couple. Well, you don't. No, no, no. You don't want Hunter Pence in the derby. You want Hunter Pence with the kids fielding. <laughs> right. You're right. Um, and then a couple of just story candidates, I guess Puig, just to capitalize on Puig mania. Um, mm-hmm. And Dominic Brown would be kind of a cool guy to have in the home run derby. Mariano Rivera would be kind of a cool guy to have. Yeah, uh, yeah, or CC Sabathia maybe. He, he prides mm-hmm. himself on his hitting. That'd be fun. That, that would be fun. He's probably. I bet that guy's got some strength. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, should we note that uh, we're going to probably be uh, publishing the Monday podcast a bit late in the morning, maybe around noon or so, yeah, so uh, you can save your tweets and you can plan around it. Yeah, take a half day from work, go in at noon. The show should be up by then. Um, all right, so that's it for this week. Send us emails at podcast at baseballperspectus.com and have a wonderful weekend.